You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn in your Bibles, or turn on your Bibles, to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It's page 1078 in the Pew Bible in front of you, if you'd like to use the translation that I'm using this morning. We began a series, which seems like we started it a long time ago due to the weather, but we have done this series, Reset, Hope in the Midst of Burnout, Depression, and Anxiety. Last week we looked at the life of Elijah and a moment of depression and we learned that God meets with us there. He does not leave us alone. So this week we want to look at depression and ask the question, how do we walk out of it? How do we start to turn and and get out of depression? In our passage today, We hope to find hope for you who might be suffering. Or maybe you aren't suffering. You're being equipped to help others who might be suffering. In this, we hope that this will give you the hope that you need that God would relieve the depression you are suffering with. Let's read together, beginning in verse 5, the last part of verse 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we believe your word is true. We believe your word is sufficient and gives the answers of what we need for our life. And we believe in the hands of one born again by the Spirit that the word is powerful. Today, as we come to the word, we ask you to meet with us in it, to use it to change us, to give hope to those who need hope, to change hearts where hearts need to be changed, and God, for us to submit our lives, our minds, and our hearts to it. We ask you this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
I hate driving in the rain, especially at night. I don't know about you, but when you're driving at night and it's raining and there's just a little bit of that wet covering on the roads that it makes it just glassy enough that the reflection of the roads, it's hard to see. It's hard hard to see where you are in the lanes. And be honest with you, I admit, you might not want to be driving around me sometimes because it's hard to know that I'm staying in the right lane. Whether you're driving in the rain at night or in the driving snow, which we've had lately, or in fog, there is a trick that you can do. I don't know if I was taught this by a driving instructor or my parents or in, uh, in preparation for a driving lesson, uh, that when you can't really see well in the road in front of you because of weather, you look close as you can to the front right of your car at the yellow line closest to your lights and to the car that yellow line will help guide you to know that you're staying in your lane that you know that you are are where you're supposed to and it gives you hope when you know can't really see where you're supposed to be going thankfully when we are depressed or going through a difficult season there's something greater we can cast our eyes on when we need hope. When you are in the throes of depression or suffering, we can cast our eyes on God who will guide us out of it. This seems simplistic, and I hope that you don't think that I'm giving you an easy answer. It it is not. I know that, that to walk out of depression is difficult, and it is hard, and it is long. It could last for hours, it could last days, but the good news is the God of the Bible, uh, the true God creator of the world, wants to help us walk out of it, even if it's hours, days, or maybe even years. The world will tell us that there's many other ways that we can walk out of depression. The world tells us change our circumstances. Maybe some people would say because of health, get on medicine. The problem with this is our fight is against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against powers of this world and spiritual realm. It's against the sin and flesh that is raging against the spirit. And if we believe the Bible and the spirit are effective and sufficient for every good thing, the brothers and sisters, we need to go to it for answers. There is a spiritual answer for this. To walk out of depression is to look to God. When you're in depression, you may be on that long road out. And you may need to kill an attitude or remove an idol. But most importantly, we need to change our minds and change where we're looking. Peter here is writing to a community who is severely persecuted. Uh, They've had their businesses, property lost, friends jailed and beaten or killed because they believed in the resurrected Jesus. They see that they are under persecution by both Jewish and secular cultures all at the same time. And Peter knows that they would be tempted to depression, despair and grief due to this persecution. Earlier in the chapter in in 1 Peter 1.6 He writes, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer 
grief in various trials. When you're in depression, there is grieving. Grieving loss. Loss of relationships. Loss of stature. Loss of a job. Grief over how you have changed over the years. Grief over the loss of health that you may be experiencing. Grief over the loss of control over your life that you once had. Grief over how you see yourself and other people's expectations. But we are not to be held captive by these things. But our minds should be changed by the work of the Spirit in us. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this age, but by, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Ephesians 4, 21 through 23 says, Assuming you have heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So be, instead of being weighed down by your grief and sorrow, we need to put our mind on the God of power. Look to him who promises to complete a good work in you. The God who is in control of your suffering and pain. The God of power who loves you. As we set our eyes on him, he will help us walk out of depression. This is not easy. It might take a long, long time. But in our passage, I believe there are six things that we can learn as we look to God as we walk out of depression. Let's look at these together. Number one, we should clothe ourselves with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. If you want to walk out of depression, clothe yourself with humility. Verse 5 to 6 says, All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Peter gives us clear direction in verse 6 when he says, Humble yourselves. Notice this is not an action placed on you, but one that we actively do. The command to clothe yourself with humility imagines humility as a garment that believers fasten to themselves. The root of the clothe yourself refers to an apron that a slave or herdsman ties over their tunic to keep it clean. Peter here is describing a heart posture that should be done by the Christian early and often, humbling ourselves. That we should humble ourselves to God, humble ourselves before each other, that we should humble ourselves regularly. Depression, however, results when we reject humility and are prideful because it is an attempt for us to believe that we are strong enough to solve every dilemma, everything that comes our way, every problem, every situation. We think we've got the answer, our own wisdom, our own ways, our own strength. In dealing with this, we realize, though, that everything we try to do on our own, we mess it up or gets further broken. Dealing with depression, we get in this vicious cycle, don't we? 
when we're in depression, what we do is we try to solve the problem ourselves. We realize that we can't deal with the problem ourselves. And therefore, we feel even worse because we believe that something is wrong with us. It is in this place in our hearts that we assume self-sovereignty, which sets us up for self-exaltation. But brothers and sisters, we have no hope except in God's sovereign mercy. It brings us low, as he says here, that we are under the mighty hand of God. That we understand that it is his sovereign hand, his sovereign plan, his ways. He is the one working out all things for the good of the world, the good for us, restoring things from its sinful state. God is in control, and yet we have wrestled control away from him. It is in understanding and humbling ourselves under his mighty hand, under his control, that helps us to walk out of depression. Friends, we have no hope except God's sovereign mercy. He reminds us even in our own salvation that we must wholly depend on Jesus, the Son of God who died for our sins and was raised for our justification, who by his wounds we have been healed. The phrase mighty hand is common in the Old Testament and is always used to describe the God's matchless power. When God's power delivered Israel from slavery and oppressed Egypt, it, it was by his mighty hand. God's mighty hand defeated Pharaoh and humbled him. It is being under God's care that there is no better place for the human heart to be. The good news is that it says is that God will exalt us at the proper time. So even if we are uncertain that if God will act in this lifetime, we know that in the end of the age, he promises to restore the humble. This is essential promise as Peter's churches endured the threat of harm. It remains a strong promise for Jesus' people of every place when they faced hostility. Friends, we can respond to hardship, sorrows, and delay in God's action in one of two ways. We can grumble and accuse God, or we can trust him. The good news for us today, the good news for you today is this, that God is sovereignly working in your life. He is in control. Therefore, we must humble ourselves and admit this. It is putting ourselves in his care that we humbly should do so that we understand we can't handle it by ourselves. It is him who is able to do more than we could think that is controlling our lives. So today, are you struggling? Today, admit You cannot handle it and trust God. Trust him. Which leads you to number two, the instruction to cast your anxiety on him. To walk out of depression, you must cast your anxiety on him. Verse seven, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Grammatically, verse seven is subordinate to verse 6 and that's how subordination works we humble ourselves before God in part by giving our cares to him interestingly 
the Greek word for anxiety is in the singular in the original language. When we normally think of our anxieties, we think of the list that we have made up in our minds of all the different things that we're worrying about, that we're caring about. But here, it's singular. But isn't that how our anxieties play out in our mind? We have a list of four or five things that we're trying to juggle, but it feels like one big rock that sits on our chest. Too dense to schedule. Problems roll in like a big wave, a mass of anxiety. If reality we think that we're handling, but our friends, they know, they can see it in us. The way verse 7 is written shows that our hearts are not in neutral when it comes to throwing off cares, concerns, and anxieties. We cast them somewhere. To not cast our anxieties on the Lord means that we create a false savior. We fall into depression because we're trying to carry the weight of the world on our soldiers or our shoulders. We had a gentleman back in Virginia that helped in my family's farm. He always would do a bunch of odd jobs. And one year, my uncle had asked him to come help move a freezer out of the basement and move it upstairs. My uncle grabbed the front and this gentleman, the helper, was going to help from behind. And he had all the weight on the back as they walked up the steps. And halfway up the steps, my uncle started to seize his back. My uncle said, here, 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 let's go back. Let's put it down. Let's put it. Come on, let's stop. Put it back. Let's back down the steps. My, my back is hurting. And the, the helper in the back said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just let it go. I got it. You, you just straighten up and take a break. I'll take. And my uncle said, no, you can't do this on your own. You, there's no possible way for you to do this on my own. Just let's back down. The helper said, no, I've got it. Let go of it. I have it. My uncle said, okay, I'm going to let it go. Easy. Here it goes. One, two, three. My uncle stood up, turned around, and looked, and all he saw was this. <laughs> the guy's arms were just swinging and wiggling out from under the, the freezer. The freezer had fallen down on top of him, and all you could see was his arms and legs just, just squirming out from under. The, he had, it had flattened him. He couldn't carry that on his own. Now, let me be clear. He was fine. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't killed. So we can laugh about that now. But when we try to carry and take care of our own anxieties, we get flattened and we get depressed. So how do we cast our anxieties on him? Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The one who's the one that we must cast our care upon is the one who holds all things. We turn these over to him. We, we turn our anxieties and concerns to him. We cast them on him. The one whose mighty hand parted the Red Sea. The one whose mighty hand delivered the people of Israel from slavery and death in Egypt. The one who delivered the people to the promised land. The one who conquered sin and death by giving his son Jesus for sinners. The one who rose from the grave and has been given all authority. This mighty God who is matchless in all things calls us to cast our cares 
on him. And why does it say? Because he cares about you. Today, is there something you need to cast off onto the Lord? For you to walk out of the depression, is there something that you are carrying that you need to give to him? Cast it off to the God who is able and mighty and who loves you. To walk out of depression, we also must, number three, resist the devil. Verse eight, it says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Now, the warning here is to be sober-minded in verse eight. It comes naturally after the charges given in verse 6 and 7 to humble yourself, cast your anxieties, that you are clear-headed. The imagery Peter uses is one of spiritual alertness. Be alert. To not be spiritually alert is to become focused on something other than the mighty hand of God himself. And so it is important to note that Peter's addressing the anxiety and cares that plague God's people. In other words, it is impossible to be spiritually sober when you deal with anxieties through self-sovereign lenses while leveraging false refuges. When you try to handle it on your own, you are not being clear-headed. And this is where we see the fallout from dealing with anxieties from apart from the mighty hand of God. The lack of spiritual alertness leaves us prey to a great enemy. Satan thrives on attacking us when we are spiritually disoriented. Our pride leads us to be apart from the truth and isolate from godly counsel, community, and as a result, we fall susceptible to being devoured by the enemy. Charles Spurgeon said, Satan's principal aim with believers is to bring their appetites and his temptations together to get their souls into a dry, seared state and then to strike the match and make them burn. Peter describes Satan as a roaring lion wanting to devour us. But the good news is that we can resist. James in the parallel passage of here and Peter says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The danger of the Christian is not that he is helpless before the devil, but he is equipped with the whole armor of God. All of it through the powerment of the Spirit. He is given the shield of faith that will extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. But the danger is, is that the Christian is that he will fail to resist. That he will not watch and pray. He will not put on the whole armor of God and take up the sword of the Spirit. Therefore, friends, we must resist. How do we do so? Well, we do so through prayer. We do so through the word of God. The sword, the word of God, was the weapon Jesus used in his ordeal in the desert. And it is ours to use in his name. You know, there are many survival books out there. Uh, my father gave Franklin, my son, a survival guide. It tells so many different things, how to identify poison oak and poison ivy and how to build a lean-to. Um, if you fall in water, how do you stay afloat? Um, it also tells you how to how to survive attack of an animal. Recently, my cousin helped translate that part of the book for my son, Franklin. He said, Franklin, 
the key to surviving an animal attack, if you're out in the woods, is this. Be faster than the other person who's with you. (laughs) There's a lot of survival books out there. But most important, the Bible is our survival weapon. We can resist by being watchful of our prideful vulnerabilities because when, as we read the Bible, it is meant to be a mirror into our sinful lives that shows us where our vulnerabilities are, that we're, we're looking to see where we need to shore up our defenses, where, where we know that we're being prideful, where, where we understand that we need God to change our hearts, to give us power to resist. In our weakest times, we are less likely to have a fruitful time with the Lord. Most marriages, depression, issues that I've counseled with, I ask a simple question. How is your quiet time and time with the Lord? And most of the time I get the response, not consistent or not existent. If you want to walk out of depression, start with spending time with God. Putting on the armor that allows you to resist the schemes of Satan. To know what is separate from a from a a lie and the truth to understand the difference so that you might not be devoured in the depression of helplessness, but instead be pointed to the hopefulness that is in God. We need to resist the devil and we need to spend time in his word. Take that next step out. Walk out of depression by spending time in the word of God. Fourth, we, to step out of depression, we need to realize that you're not abnormal. Verse 9, it says, the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. It is often that when you are in depression that you feel that you're alone, that there's something that must be wrong with you. You get reminded by Satan and his temptation is that, that you're the one that's the problem. No one else could possibly be going through what I'm going through. There's something wrong with me. Whatever you're going through, there are others who have gone through the same thing. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. In depression, we think something is wrong with me. It's the Charlie Brown complex. He's always saying, Something must be wrong with me. In one cartoon, he says, Sometimes I lie awake at night and ask, Where have I gone wrong? Then a voice says to me, This is going to take more than one night. (laughs) This leads to further despair when we consider and think of ourselves as different or abnormal. But brothers and sisters, everyone fails, everyone sins, everyone struggles with something. Talk to other believers, be truthful about your struggles. And it'll be freeing when you admit what you're suffering with because you'll find out that they're suffering with something in the same way. How often and freeing it becomes when you say, "Uh, I'm struggling with this. And then a believer says to you, I might not be going through that exact thing but I have gone through something similar friends something is wrong with all of us all of our sinful hearts are struggling 
admit something's wrong and admit to someone else because you'll find that you're not alone. There's not something wrong with you. And brothers and sisters, please hear me today on this. When you are struggling, despair, depression, do not stay away from the church. It is one of Satan's schemes to separate you from Christian fellowship. It's like lion pack that attacks a, a an animal it likes to get it away from the rest of the herd so it's easy to be picked off when you are away from the body of christ you're more vulnerable there you're left alone with feelings without encouragement and the prayer of believers and it will have a lasting effect on you i have seen so many people be discouraged and kept away from the church because they're embarrassed feel like that there's no hope that they need to fix themselves before they go back to church. Brothers and sisters, do not be away from Christian fellowship. You may not feel like it. You may not want to be around other people, but go worship God. Be around brothers and sisters who love you. Do not go away from church. This morning, ask yourself, have you joined a life group that you've committed to a, a local group of community that you can build in discipleship and have others that you can pour life your life into them and they can pour their life into you have you asked a christian friend that you can regularly have time together coffee or lunch or over your house that you can deal with heart issues friends do not think you're abnormal or alone we're all struggling with something do not let satan win this fifth see that suffering is short in verse 10 he says after you have suffered a little while this comes after this wonderful starting to close rejoicing at the royal grace of god in christ this hope that peter says will sustain the church through all of its fiery trials and suffering the god of all grace who has called you to eternal glory in christ it is God's initiative that stands at the beginning of salvation. He has called us by his grace. He will finish it by his grace. It is God who saves from start to finish. He will complete a good work in us. It is God's purpose that arches over all of history. And he has called us to his own glory. This reminds us that as a Christian, our suffering is short. Compared to all eternity, we are suffering only for a little while. Charles Spurgeon, who is said to suffer with deep depression many times in his ministry, says this, Our sor sorrows are all like ourselves mortal. There are no immortal sorrows for immortal souls. They come, but blessed be God, they also go. Like birds of the air, they fly over our heads, but they cannot make their abode in our souls. We suffer today, but we shall rejoice tomorrow. Friends, as you struggle through depression, realize that in the step back and understand that sorrows will end. Your despair will end. Satan wants to tell you that nothing will change. Nothing will move. But hear this, God is saying suffering is short. And let's be honest, when you're in depression, this is where the temptation for suicide sets in. 
when you start to think there's nothing going to change, I can never change, the only hope is for me to go away. Friends, don't allow despair and depression take you down that road. If you're struggling with that today, please seek help. Talk to a pastor, talk to a friend. Get help because you need to hear that this suffering is but for a short time and ending your life is never the answer. In depression, resist the temptation to think that it will always be bad forever because suffering is short. Sixth and finally, I want us to see this as we walk out of depression. Allow God to grow you and glorify himself. Verse 10, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. You need to see your suffering as a way that God is glorifying himself and is growing you. Peter uses the word glory to refer to the state of being that was accomplished by the sufferings and resurrection of Christ, yet to be fully revealed at his return, and of which new life in Christ is even now a part. God is therefore now, right now, glorifying himself through the restoration of the world. He is restoring us. And suffering and trials are part of this. It's twofold. It is bringing glory to God that he will, yes, indeed, restore things to the right order, that he is the one and the only one who can bring things right. But also through that, he is using these sufferings and trials to grow us, to burn out all the false saviors we have placed our trust in so that we truly can say, you are God alone and the good and the bad, the one who is above all things. Tim, Timothy Keller says, Jesus lost all his glory so that we could be clothed in it. He was shut out so we could get access. He was bound, nailed so that we could be free. He was cast out so that we could approach. And Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that really can destroy you, that is being cast away from God. He took that so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond, and the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into something gorgeous. It was in the August of last year that the Pro Football Hall of Fame members were put in Canton. And I paid attention because one of my superhero uh, superheroes or football heroes was Brian Dawkins for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are still the Super Bowl defending champs, even though it's a few more hours till the Super Bowl. They're still the defending champs. They might be defending it at home, but they're still the defending champs until the game's over. But Brian Dawkins, it made news all over for all many different outlets because he admitted that he had struggled with depression, that he was even to the point of killing himself, wanting to kill himself in his rookie year. He had gotten into some money problems. He was struggling with the transition from college to having money. And uh, he says, admittedly, that the only answer that he could come to 
was killing himself so that his wife might be able to get his life a life insurance policy. His answer, his way out, was trusting in the Lord. And he had others who came alongside him that helped him grow. And he has a testimony of that God used the suffering to change him. Brian Dawkins said this in his uh, talking about his struggles. He said, I'm a blessed man of God. The Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. The majority of success I've had has come on the back end of pain. Pain has pushed me to levels unknown. For me at the time, all I knew that it was at pain. But on the other side of it, all of a sudden, I became better in an area. So when we go through those situations in our lives, pain helps you develop those things that you are going to take you to the next level of whatever it is the Lord has for you. Believe that. I'm a living testimony of that. See, there's a purpose for my pain. There's a purpose for my pain. It increased my faith exponentially. I've grown leaps and bounds because of the things that I've gone through. And that's one of those things I went through. When I say went through, that means I came out on the other side of it. So those of you who are going through it right now, there's hope. You do have hope. If you're going through depression right now, you're going through despair, hear this, that God is glorifying himself through you by changing you, by molding you, by helping you, by encouraging you, by shaping you. You are going to be better. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be more hopeful. You're going to be more faithful in him. As you're in depression, understand God's ultimate goal of glorifying himself through salvation of rebels by, by sacrificing his son gains him all the glory of heaven and all of earth and all of under the earth. He is committed to his glory. He is committed to you. It is through his work on the cross. It is through his work through his son. It is his work through you that he is displaying his glory. And he will not fail in working his glory. And he will not fail you. Therefore, trust in a God who will not fail and who will not leave you where you are. Tim Keller again says, you will never really understand your heart when things are going well. It is only when things go badly that you will see it truly. And that's because it is only when suffering comes that you realize who is the true God and what is the false gods in your life. Only the true God can go with you through that furnace and out the other side. The other gods will abandon you in the furnace. Brothers and sisters, to walk out of depression you must see that God is refining your hearts, refining you so that you might see him better, see him clearer, see that he is the only hope and that he truly loves you. As you take these steps out of depression, know that it was is just one step at a time. But trust in these things. Trust in the Lord. Trust in what he is doing in you. Cast your anxieties on him and he will answer you. This morning, maybe the first step you need to take is trusting in Christ. Knowing that we are all sinners and 
cast away from God because of our sin, we must come to the only way that we can have hope in Jesus. And that hope is Jesus alone through his death, burial, and resurrection. Cry out to him today. Maybe you cry out to him as Savior for the first time today. He will answer you. He will save you. You might be burdened by your sin, but in Christ you will be burdened no more. Accept forgiveness. Trust Christ. If you're going through depression or know someone who is, fix your eyes on God. Where are your eyes right now? Are your eyes on yourself? Are they on your problems? Friends, what does the scripture say? Look to a God who will restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. It is only in him, watching him, fixing your eyes on him, that you can walk out of your despair. Today, we pray this for you. Today, look at God as you walk out of depression. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you today to meet with those who are struggling, that they would begin the walk out of the despair and struggling that they have of depression. We pray, God, that they would see the way out, that they would not be discouraged, that they would not be tricked by Satan, but instead that they would see the hope that is in you. I pray, God, that this morning as as they listen to your word, that they would begin to apply it, that they would trust, they would see, and step by step, you would take them by the hand and walk them out of depression. And this morning we ask you that God, by your spirit, you would save. That if there is someone here amongst us that does not know you and know your son and know where life is and know where forgiveness is and know that the only hope they have God, I pray that you would reveal it in their heart. That today would be the day of their salvation. That God, you would save them and they would cry out to Christ and Christ alone. We pray all this in Jesus' wonderful, sweet, and name that is above every name's. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins but he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow him.